further today, let's go ahead and just pray as they're still passing those cards out. Father, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for everyone who's come in this church today to hear your truth, hear your word. I pray that we just position our hearts in such a way that we're ready to receive. We're ready to hear what your spirit would say to our hearts today so we can take it and run with it and not just be hearers of the truth, but be doers of the word as well. And we thank you so much for changing our hearts, for helping us to move in this right direction, helping us to just step hand in hand as a church that's just unified on purpose, that's going to do great things for your kingdom, Father, because it's all about your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen. amen. Well, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this title down, Called to Be Disciples. And as I was praying and studying, I knew I was going to talk about the Momentum Project. And I was thinking, okay, God, I'm going to preach this really exciting message, you know, kind of one of those we can do it messages type thing, you know. And God was like, no, I don't think so. Because as I was praying and as I was studying, something just dropped in my heart that the Lord just dropped in my heart as I was typing some things out. And I was like, well, that will be a really good sermon one day. And the Lord's like, that's what you're supposed to preach this weekend. And I'm like, really? <clears throat> I'm like, that's not what I thought. But yet, as I began to see into this message what God was doing, I began to see, okay, God, you're trying to prepare us and equip us and help us to understand what it's going to take to continue to move forward. And so for us to continue with the momentum that God has given and for us to continue to move forward, we need to understand and we need, uh, to, and we need to realize what it's going to take as the people of God, as His church, to continue to move forward. So if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 6. Excuse me. Acts chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 7. The Bible says this, <clears throat> Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. The Bible says that the word of God spread, and because the word of God spread, the number of disciples grew. The number of disciples grew. Now I want you to see, just, just think about that word disciple, because we're going to talk about this morning being called to be disciples. The word of God spread, and then the number of disciples grew. Now go ahead and turn a few pages over to Acts chapter 11, and let's look at verse 26. Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, Barnabas was looking for uh, the Apostle Paul. He was trying to find him. And so in verse 26, the Bible says he found him and he brought him to Antioch. So it was for a whole year that Barnabas and Paul assembled with the church and they taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So this is the very first time we hear the term Christian used. We say that all the time nowadays and we pretty much understand what we mean when we say Christian. But back in those days, the term Christian was not the most popular term to use. It was actually a derogatory term that was used when people would say, oh, you're one of those Christ people. You're one of those Christ followers. You're a Christian. And it wasn't something that was talked about well. Because before they were called Christians, they were called disciples. A lot of us have the understanding of the 12 disciples. And we have the, you know, we know there's, you know, Matthew. And we know that there's, you know, John. And we understand that there's Peter. Some of the disciples, that's the disciples, right? No. Christians were called disciples before this time in Antioch. But then after the, this, this happens in Antioch, they began to be called Christians, and then that term just kind of caught on, and nowadays we just refer to one another as Christians. But we need to understand, not only are we Christians, but we are disciples. That wasn't just limited to 12 guys that hung out with Jesus. 
right? We are called to be disciples. That's what you and I are called to do. We are called to be disciples. And a disciple is a follower and imitator of a leader's lifestyle and teaching. So they're not just someone who listens to someone teach and just says, oh, I'm a disciple of so-and-so because I hear what they say. No, I'm a disciple because I actually follow their pattern of life and actually do what they have instructed me to do and live how they live. And so you and I are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We are called to be disciples or disciplined learners. We are not only to hear his instruction, but we're to follow his example in every area of our lives. Amen? Amen. And that's what we're called to do. I want you to write that down. We are called to be disciples because disciples are called to grow. They're called to grow. That's what we're called to do. We're supposed to grow. That's part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're called to grow and to expand. And that's what we're doing as a church. And that's what God wants us to do as individuals and as families. That's what God wants us to do as husbands and wives, as mothers and fathers, as children. That's what he wants us to do is to grow and to continue to learn what it means to be not only a hearer of the word of God, but to be a doer of the Word of God and to actually continually grow in those things. Now, we want to reach as many people as we can for the purpose of advancing God's kingdom. And, and that's what an effective disciple does. But, but for us to be effective disciples and to continue in the season of momentum that God has given us and in, and, and in our church, we must learn what it means to be called to be a disciple. We've got to learn what that means. And here's what disciples are called to be. And this is a character trait of a disciple. Is that disciples are steadfast. Disciples are steadfast. Because how many of you have figured out that there are a lot of things that will try to discourage you in your walk with God and even in church? A lot of times things will happen in church where people will say or do things that will want to discourage you happens all the time. You'll hear about this or you'll hear about that or somebody will say this or they won't say that or there will be this or there will be that and then all of a sudden offense sets in and people get offended and people get hurt and people get angry in the house of God where we're supposed to be unified moving forward. And a lot of times we, we need to understand that disciples are steadfast not only in church but we're, we're steadfast in every area of our life because we understand that we are called we understand what we're called to. Too often in our world that we live in, especially as Americans, we have a consumer-driven society, consumer-driven mentality that basically we'll go to a restaurant and we'll sit down if we get bad service or if the food is cold or if the, you know, the wait staff isn't very good or whatever the case may be. We just won't go back. We write it off, right? We throw our hands up in the air because I didn't like it, Right? We have no obligation to that at all. We're not called to that place. We're not called to Applebee's. I'll tell you what, I've had more bad Applebee's experience. Anyways, <laughs> I do like Applebee's, but I've had a lot of bad stories. You'll have to ask me about some in McDonald's, Lord Jesus. Anyways, <laughs> I've had some bad experiences. But you know what? Uh, a lot of us take that same consumer mentality and that same consumer ideology, and we apply it in our walk with God or in the things that we're called to. You see, because we don't understand that we're called, so we think that we're just consumers. 
And then something comes up that we don't like, and then all of a sudden we want to throw our hands up in the air and give up. We're called to this marriage, and then all of a sudden something happens in this marriage that I don't like, or someone does something that I don't like to do, but I want to give my hands, I, I want to throw my hands up in the air when it gets tough, or when someone says or does something that's going to offend me, or someone does something that may hurt me, then all of a sudden I say, you know what, it's over, it's not worth it. Let me ask you, are you a consumer or are you called? We want to throw our hands up in the air on our jobs all the time. When our boss treats us this way, there's so much drama going on. Oh, he, I know he didn't. I know she didn't. I know that I don't have to go to work and put up with that no more. I'm better than this, blah, blah, blah. I ain't going to get involved in all this drama and all this stuff. But yet we do. And then we get all mad. And then we leave that place. And then we just find out where we get hired next has drama too. <laughs> because what you're going to realize is that people are people. And that things are going to happen that are beyond your control but it's what do you do with those emotions, with those thoughts, with those feelings, how you process that. That's going to make the difference. Do you understand that you're called? You know, a lot of times we quit jobs that we don't need to quit because things get tough and then we go find that it's tough somewhere else. What if God's called you there? What if you're supposed to be there? What if, even though it's tough, even though it's not easy to be there, what if God wants you to be there because he has something for you to do there? Have you ever thought about that? But see, we become so consumer-minded that we go, oh, I don't like it, so I'm done. We take that same mentality in our relationships. We take that same mentality in our jobs, and we even take that same mentality in church. And we'll just go try to find somewhere that will do everything we want, or we'll try to lay low. But let me tell you, folks, there is no church that is perfect. Amen? That amen was a little too strong. <laughs> I kid There's no church that is perfect. You've got to understand, am I offended? Or is there something that's challenging me? Or is there something I don't like? Or am I called? Am I a consumer or am I called? Because if you're called, you'll make it through tough spots in your life. Because tough spots are coming. They're going to be all around you. You can run from this tough spot or run from this challenge or run from that challenge. But you're going to run right into another challenge at some point. And you're going to keep repeating that same test over and over again until you learn how to deal with the fence and you learn how to find forgiveness and grow. You're going to keep repeating the same old test over and over again. And you've got to reconcile within yourself. Am I called? Am I called? Because if I'm called, then I'll be willing to move forward. I'll be willing to stay. I'll be willing to stick. I'll be willing to continue on no matter how difficult this relationship may be or no matter how difficult this job may be or how difficult this other situation may be. Whatever the case may be, you understand I'm called. And there's something different about being called than just being a consumer because it's easy to be a consumer, isn't it? It's easy to go, oh, I didn't get my, my drink when I wanted it. I didn't get my steak when I wanted it. Oh, I'm done. I'm out of here. And we get offended and we get angry. And a lot of times when we have a consumer mentality, we'll surround ourselves with other people who are offended or angry. If you want to find someone who's offended, you don't have to look very far most of the time. Because you will find out that when you're dealing with something, say you're in a marriage situation... And you, all of a sudden, someone you haven't talked to in years becomes your best friend overnight because of all the stuff you're going through. That's not a real friend there. Let me tell you something. They just want to get up in your business. 
They see that you put some drama on Facebook, and they go on Facebook, oh, baby, if you need me, you just give me a call. Here's my number. I'll, be, I'll, I'll stay up all night talking to you. And what they're really doing is they're going, mm-hmm, I know he didn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, girl, I know. Mm-hmm. You want to find people to surround you when you're mad? It's not hard to find people because people want, there, there are people that will come out of the woodwork for that kind of stuff. There are people that will come out of the woodwork for that stuff in your job, in your marriage, with your kids, in your finances, and in church. And you've got to guard yourself. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we actually need to be aware of Satan's devices. We need to be aware of his tricks. And this is the trick of Satan to cause division in the body of Christ. And I don't say this because we've got a lot of problems at Word of Grace because I don't believe we do. I believe that we're in a very good spot right now as a church, so don't misunderstand me. I think that we're doing some great things and God is sending some momentum our way and, and we're rolling with this in the season that he has called us to. But at the same time, I know when things are going good that the enemy hates progress. He hates it. He doesn't want to see your marriage progress. He doesn't want to see you happy. He doesn't want to see you free from that addiction you've been living in. He doesn't want to see your church reach more souls for the kingdom of God. He doesn't want to see us advance. When he hears Momentum Project, he freaks out and he wants to cause division however he can. And I know this, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying it because there is division. I'm saying it because I want you to be on guard, and I want you to understand something, that when you decide to change things, or you decide to move things around, or you decide to repurpose things, whether it's a momentum project or a building project, or whatever the case may be in a church or in your life, anytime you change, there will be some type of challenge or conflict that will arise at some point. And it's not that you're unaware of that this might be a challenge or this might be something that maybe at some point, you know, uh, someone, someone is offended at something someone says or doesn't say or doesn't do. It's how do you deal with it? How do you process conflict? How do you process offense? How do you deal with it? Because you're going to have to deal with it at some point. And as disciples, we're called to be steadfast. We're called to be steadfast. We don't let the season of life that we're in determine our progress. Because we understand we're called. I'm going to say that slow so I can say it some more. Because some of y'all need to hear that. I want you to get it. We don't let the season determine our progress. Because we understand we're called. Because seasons come and go just like the snow. <laughs> Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> seasons come and go like the snow. And let me tell you something. Wisconsin people understand this better than anybody else, I think. Because we're from Wisconsin. I don't care if it snowed four feet last night and there's snowdrifts that are six feet. I'm going to Walmart because I'm from Wisconsin. I don't care if I got to get out with a shovel at three in the morning. I'm going to dig myself out. I got an all-wheel drive with a winch on the front. I even got a shovel in my trunk and an extra set of boots and some blankets. You run me off the road? It's all good. I'm from Wisconsin. I've got rocks in the back. You ain't going to stop me. You ain't going to slow me down. But yet if there's an inch of snow in Arkansas, every car is in the ditch and there's no bread or milk to be found three states over. And they freak out. They're not ready for it. They can't handle it. All the schools are closed. You're not thinking about going to Walmart. You're thinking, oh, no, it's terrible. The roads are bad. You're listening to the radio. And we're like, an inch of snow? What? Bring it on. We're from Wisconsin. You see, we understand something. We understand that the snow is just a season, and we're not going to let that season slow us down. 
We're willing to adjust. We're willing to adapt. We're willing to equip ourselves with the necessary equipment we need to move forward through that season. And that's exactly what God wants you to do when you're met with challenges or obstacles or offense. He wants you to learn to grow and equip yourself to be able to move forward in that season. Because if you keep moving forward and understand that you're called, you will grow. Too many people give up when it gets tough. Too many people give up when it gets hard. Too many people give up when they get offended. Too many people want to jump ship when something happens in their lives they don't like. Or that's out of their control. But let me tell you something. If you equip yourselves and you learn to grow through it, you're going to come out on the other end stronger and better than ever. Because you've learned it's a season. It's a season. And I'm going to equip myself the way God would have me equip myself. Why? Because I understand I'm called. There's something different about understanding you're called. Because disciples understand this. Disciples understand they're not conditionally called. Disciples are not conditionally called. You know, when I moved up here, I moved up from the south. I've never lived in the north before. I've never been able to build a decent snowman as a child. I know, and I'm scarred from that. All my snowmen were full of sticks and dirt, and they were only about this high, and they lasted for about an hour. And that was the best I got. There was no getting the coal out and putting the carrot in the... There was no room for the carrot. We would have to use like the little baby carrots, if that. Our snowmen were sad. We didn't have a lot of snow. And so when I first moved up here, everybody wanted to know, Pastor Derek, how are you going to deal with the winter? <laughs> we know it's more like this. Oh, how are you going to deal with the winter once when it comes up here and it snows a little bit yet? <laughs> and I was like, listen, here's the deal. Do you think that that person that's out on the mission field this morning that's in a third world country that's having to have church in a secretive place because the government wants to arrest them or kill them, do you think that they're going, you know what, it's a little too hot out here. Uh, the chairs aren't very comfortable. I, I don't really like the conditions that I'm in, so God, I don't know that I'm called to do this. No, they do what they do because they understand they're called, right? It's not a condition. And that's what I would tell people. I would say, I'm not conditionally called. I don't care. I'll adjust. I'll figure it out. I got YouTube just like everybody else. I, you know, I've, I've got a minivan that is a great snow remover. And so I have backed up over piles of snow. And I use it as a snow plow. I'll figure it out. It's all good. Not worried about it. I'll figure it out. Why? Why? Why would you figure it out? Why would you? I know how to go buy coats just like everybody else and layer up. I'll figure it out. I'm not going to let the weather be a determining factor of where I move because I tell people I'm cold. That's the difference. I didn't move here because the conditions were sunny with a high of 75 every day. <laughs> I moved here because I was called. That's what caused me to move a thousand miles away from everything I was comfortable with and everything that was familiar. Not because I thought the weather was amazing, not because it was all, you know, it, I didn't go, wow, look at all the amenities. No, no, no. The amenities don't matter when you're called. You're here on a purpose. And you know what God does to you when you step out and you understand that you're called? He begins to help you adjust, and then you begin to love your surroundings as well. I love Wisconsin. I have never lived anywhere in my life that I love living as much as I love living here. And I'm not just saying that. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. I hope you like it too. How's you clapping? But, you know, 
I love it. I love the people here. I get along with people better here than I ever have anywhere else in my life. Not because I was difficult to get along with. But, <laughs> <laughs> but because you guys, you, 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 you guys, you're my people. And I just, I, I mean, you, you feel me. And it's just, I love it. I love being here. I love the mentality of the area. I love the hard, uh, the, just the hard workers that are here. I love the, 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 the care and the love that people have for one another. And I love the, all the things that we have that are just so close to us and the lake and and, and I even love the snow. It's fine. We make it every year. We, and we're going to make it this next time. I adjusted, but guess what? When I first moved here, I didn't know what to expect, but I did know I was called. Didn't matter what was coming down the pipe. Didn't matter. Moved here. When you get in a position of leadership, and then all of a sudden you're in charge, you begin making decisions. Sometimes people like your decisions. Sometimes you don't. You've got to believe you're called. Because what are you going to do when people don't like you? Are you going to leave? Are you going to jump ship? Oh, I've got to run. No, I've got to understand I'm called, and I've got to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? Not by my own ideas or what I think is best. I've got to trust in the voice of the Lord and believe that this is the right move for this season. And let me tell you something. I want you to understand something. When, when you understand you're called, that changes things. It changes things because you're not moved by every little condition Every little thing that changes or shifts. You see, you can't slap God said on everything. <laughs> it's interesting to me that when people are offended or when they're in a challenging situation in their life, all of a sudden everybody starts hearing God. Or when people get emotional, they start hearing God all of a sudden. People just start hearing God out of the woodwork, man. I've seen it my whole life. God starts speaking. God told me to leave my job. Can't stand that boss. Can't stand my co-workers. Can't stand anything. I, God told me to leave that job. God told me to leave town. God told me to leave my wife and kids. Or God told me to buy that ski boat. <laughs> when I get emotionally wrapped up in something, all of a sudden God starts speaking. He just starts talking like crazy. Wait a minute. Is it really God speaking? Or are you trying to justify what you're wanting to do? Because you're emotionally involved in a situation or because you're offended? Or because there's something going on at your job or with your spouse or whatever that you don't like. And so we'll try to rally those people around us and get them to justify our feelings and our emotions. That doesn't matter when you're called. Feelings and emotions are going to come and go. There are going to be things in life that you like and things that you don't like. There are going to be challenges that you're going to face over and over again. But when you understand you're called, there's something that's going to be willing to weather whatever storm will come your way because I'm called and we're going to keep on moving forward. Hand me the snow shovel and let's get after it. Right? So here's the thing. If you get offended in life, at a job, in a relationship, or a church, allow God to lead you and not what's convenient, not what your emotions are telling you because you're going to keep repeating that test over and over again until you learn to grow and find forgiveness and continue to move forward. For momentum to continue, we must learn how to properly deal with things when we're offended or when changes come our way. Are we a disciple or are we a consumer? And the reason I say these things this morning is because things are growing and moving at Word of Grace. Things are changing. And sometimes change is like a cuss word to us. You know, we want that to be bleeped out of the movies. You know, change. Bleep. <laughs> we don't like that word. Because we don't like the unexpected. A lot of times we get in our groove and we get in what's comfortable and what's easy. And when things change, sometimes we don't like things to change. 
But how are we going to deal with it? Because you're always going to be surrounded by change. Are you always just going to disconnect every time that change happens? Or are you going to understand, no, I'm called? Because change is coming. Change is around you. It's never going to leave you. That's, you're never going to be able to escape change, no matter how much you run from it. No matter how much you try to hide from it. You've got to meet it head on, and you've got to deal with it. And you've got to learn how to have a good attitude through it. You've got to learn how to grow through it, because that's what disciples do. Because disciples understand they are called. They're not conditionally called. They're called. There was a story, Jesus, in John chapter 6, I believe it is. I want you to write that down, because you may want to go back and read that later. John 6, yeah. John 6 and verse 59. Jesus had just gotten through feeding 5,000 people. You want to be popular? Give somebody some food. <laughs> you will become very popular very quick. If I said, hey, after church today, I am serving everybody steak dinner. Woohoo! that sounds great. You are the best pastor in the world. And I think that you are amazing. Can we fit that in the Momentum Project somehow? I will give extra money if we can have steak every time we dismiss service. The church will grow by leaps and bounds. I just say it as it comes to me, folks. And the thing is, is that if I did that, man, I'd be popular. Jesus just got through feeding 5,000 men. Didn't even count the women and children during that time. So you're talking about, you know, 10, 15,000 people at a minimum. Jesus just got through feeding all these people and their babies. And so because of that, Jesus is popular. Jesus said, hey, y'all, I'm going to be in the synagogue preaching. So could you just imagine them following him around? And all of a sudden, the synagogue just packed. And Jesus begins to teach them. And in John chapter 6, he begins to tell them, listen, here's the deal. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't have any part of me and there's no life in you. What? What? Everybody just starts freaking out by that because it's just weird. And Jesus went on to explain what he meant. He told him, he said, what I'm trying to tell you is that apart from me, there's no life because I'm the one that's going to connect you to God. You can't find a way through God through your religion or your rituals. It's going to be through me. I'm the only way. And that's what he was saying. And you need to partake of me is what he was telling him. And everybody got up and walked out. Everybody got upset. And then Jesus turned around to his 12 disciples that was left. And he looks at, he looks at him and he says, you're going to leave too? Wow. Man. Because most of the time when people start leaving or, or when people start abandoning us or, some, or when we feel like we're losing something, we try to go, no, 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 I'll please you. I'll, I'll try to, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus looked at him and said, you're going to go too? Whew. Man. He said, he was asking him, are you a consumer or are you a disciple? That's what he was asking him. Do you really believe that you're called? Do you really believe it? You're going to go too? Peter looks at Jesus and he says, where are we going to go? <laughs> you got to love Peter. He's got to go on. Where are we going to go? He said, you have the words of life. That's all we, and we've come to believe that you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. We've come to believe that, so where else are we going to go? If it's just us and you, Jesus, and it's our posse of 13, then that's what it's going to be. Uh, where else are we going to go? Why? Because Peter stood up for the group, and he understood something. He understood he was called. He understood he wasn't a consumer. I'm not just in this for what I get out of the deal or when I like everything that goes my way. I'm here because I'm called. And that's the type of tenacity, the type of people that God wants us to be that will help us grow. Because, listen... Things are growing, moving, and changing, and the enemy hates progress. He hates it. 
He hates progress in your personal life. He hates progress in churches. And so the enemy will try to sow seeds of division and discord when things are going well in your life. Because he wants to stop progress. He wants to stop growth. He wants to stop momentum. So he'll try to plant seeds of negativity, things that you can dwell on and think about, share with other people to help spread that negativity. Because negativity and discord and division can spread very quickly. You know that? But for us to move forward with the momentum God has given us, we're going to have to do so in a spirit of unity. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11, he's actually talking about dealing with offense. And he's talking about actually dealing with some of these very same things that I'm sharing with you. And he wraps it up in verse 11 by saying this. He said, we don't need to be unaware or ignorant of Satan's strategies. We need to be aware that this is a strategy that the enemy would use to try to sow discord or division. Because he doesn't like unity. He doesn't like progress. He doesn't like it when you and your spouse start getting along. He doesn't like it when you start having a good attitude at work. He doesn't like it when churches start doing things like momentum projects to reach more people for the kingdom of God. He doesn't like it. And so he wants you to dwell on those things. And he'll try to always bring those things up and throw them up in your face in different ways. And get you to dwell on negative things or something that someone said or did. And let a fence build up in your heart to where your heart gets hardened and you wish evil and ill for other people. And that'll sow division. It'll kill you. It'll, it'll destroy you. And it'll hurt other people as well. So listen, as we grow and work together, as we do outreach together, as we raise these funds together, as we continue to serve and do ministry together, there's going to be an opportunity, I promise you, at some point for something to offend or, or, or for something to uh, maybe upset you because of something you didn't understand or maybe someone didn't say something to you or, or someone did say something to you. You had a conversation with someone. Let me tell you, there's going to be opportunity for offense to set in, but we must not allow these things to stop momentum because to keep moving forward, we must do so in a spirit of unity and grace and forgiveness, a spirit of love because we understand we're called. We understand we're called to be disciples. We're called to be imitators of Jesus Christ. Imitators of his love, his compassion for people, his forgiveness, his servant's heart that said, I did not come to this earth to be served, but I came here to serve. You see, it's our love for God that causes us to love people. And because we learn to love, because he first loved us, that's how we learn this. Out of our love for people, we want to serve and give because that's what disciples do. Because that's what Jesus did. Amen? This is a big project. But it is a step that's going to take us further as a church. It's a step to help us use what we've been given. To position ourselves for growth. To position ourselves to continue to move forward. And it's going to take everybody being in unity, moving forward. Linking arms. Linking hearts. And moving forward together. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to do this with this project. We've got to do this in our relationships. We've got to do this in our personal lives and our jobs. We've, we've got to understand that he who has been forgiven much must forgive much. He who has received much grace must be a good steward of the grace he's been given. The Bible says that by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. So we need to be people of mercy, and we also need to be people of truth. And so I've shared the truth with you today. I hope you understand that I'm not wanting to just beat anybody over the head or anything with that type of a sermon, I'm wanting to prepare you to be able to deal with challenges when they come. Are you called? I want you to be called because I believe you're called. Disciples are called. 
they understand that they're called. And we got to understand that and internalize that because it'll help us weather the storms and challenges and changes that we may face, the opportunities for offense that we may face, the things you may be dealing with right now. Let me tell you, there is healing, there is forgiveness, there is unity. It's a season. Grab your snow shovel, keep on digging. Don't let it slow you down. Don't let it stop you. Amen? It's a season. Keep on moving forward. I just want to encourage you to continue. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on that situation that may be difficult right now. Don't give up on that son or daughter that may not be living for God at this very moment. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel just because things are hard. And I don't see a way out. I don't see how it's going to be fixed. I don't see how it's going to be reconciled. Don't give up. Don't just run away. Don't run away because you're going to have to face it at some time. Today's the day to face it. Today's the day to face it. The sooner you face it, the sooner you're going to grow from it. And God wants us to grow because disciples grow. To the next time that we face something, next time a challenge arises, we go, you know what? I can handle this because I learned how to deal with it the last time I faced something like this. And then you're able to help other people who are going through it and dealing with it. I've been there. I know what that feels like. I know that pain. I know that hurt. I know that confusion that you may be feeling or that depression or whatever the case may be. But let me tell you, I didn't give up. I didn't quit. And let me tell you how I came out on the other end of it. Let me tell you how God set me free. Let me tell you how through His Word and His truth and His love that I found forgiveness, that I found mercy, that I found joy again. We're called to love God, love people, and serve the world. And for us to do that, we've got to understand what it means to be called. Be called to be His disciples. Imitators, not only of His teaching, but of His lifestyle. Not just hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. If we can unite under that kind of a banner, if we can move forward with that, let me tell you, there's no devil in hell that could stop what Word of Grace is going to do for the kingdom of God. Amen? There is nothing that's going to be able to stop it. Because we're a group that understands what it means to grow through adversity, to grow through challenges, to grow through changes. And you may be in a spot right now where you're in a growing phase and a growing pain and it hurts and everything in you is screaming to give up. Let me tell you, I'm reminding you today that you're called to be a disciple. Would you bow your head this morning? If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you have never asked Him to come into your life. Never, maybe He's, he, maybe you've heard about Him as a child. And maybe you've even had classes that taught you about God. But you know more about God, but you don't feel like you know Him. Well, I want to invite you to know Him today. And that's through receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come down. I just want, while everybody's got their head bowed and their eyes closed, I want to show you how to do that. I want to lead you in a prayer. But I want you to let me know you're here by lifting your hand and putting it back down. Anybody in this place today? I see your hands. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand here up front. You can put your hands back down. Thank you. Thank you for lifting your hand. 
And it's not from me because I can't save you. Only God can save you. This is you lifting your hand in acknowledgement that you need Jesus Christ. Now the Bible says that we need to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to believe that Jesus, what he did on the cross by dying for our sins was good enough to forgive us and to make us right with God. And then we can begin a new relationship with him today. So I want you, if you would, just to say this prayer with me. And all of those of you who have said a prayer similar to this before, I want you to say it with me as well. But this prayer doesn't save you. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. It's not the words. You've got to believe the words. The Bible says believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So let's do that together. Would you say this? Say, Jesus, I welcome you into my heart today as the leader of my life, as the Lord of my soul, to save me, to heal me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for putting me into right standing with God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and making me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, there's a whole lot.